How's it going, everyone? Welcome to another episode of Soapstone. My name is Jake. I'm joined by my co-host, as always, Dave. How's it going today, Dave? I'm doing pretty good. I would say I'm a chipper and sprightly mood today. That's a lie. It's a very convenient lie. Um, for for pacing, I get it sometimes, right? Like, uh, you're just like, do you do you want the spiel? I don't think you want the spiel. I'm doing fine. Right? <laughs> wow, Jake, way to use a, a word that's not even from your common tongue. Mm. It's what is spiel from? I imagine it's Jewish or Yiddish because it just sounds like it. Like, let me give you the spiel. Spiel. Spiel, so thing- schmuck. Anything with SH, shlomo. Like, I attribute oh, that to either Jewish, Polish, Yiddish. Let's see. I'm looking up the origin now. German, actually. Spiel again. We all know Germans and Jews are pretty much the same. So, <laughs> right. There was. There was. There was a, some historical interactions between the two. <laughs> yeah, the, the Germans uh, fucked the Jews, and that's why we have so many uh, German Jews in the population. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, they they really did F the Jews, but maybe not like that. Uh, anyways. If you uh, thought gaslighting was bad. <laughs> oof, yeah. That's the um, only joke I had in the, in the pocket. That's fair. That's fair. It's probably good (laughs) that's the only joke in the pocket i also like that it's you could say it as spiel right or spiel and i defaulted to to spiel i would yeah yeah, i'd say that's german but it's also because of the glocken Mm -hmm. yeah anyways hopefully you do a little bit better um we can always use the uplifting and healing power of podcasts to make it through because that's definitely how it works it doesn't just continue to slowly drain you over time until you approach the one hour mark and you're just frantically uh visual or making the visual like cut the signal gesture like please jake stop talking and end the recording it's not like that no i would i would just disconnect and make jake cover (laughs) (laughs) yeah i actually don't know what would happen if someone just straight up left in the middle because it would start processing their audio i think it would have to i imagine they can account for it because sometimes the connection would drop dave's looking at me with open eyes like he's like i can test this yeah let's 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 find out (laughs) yeah um so anyways i'm just gonna be running with the podcast today (laughs) um i digress or i joke but Let's talk about PlayStation 1. Now, where would you place PlayStation mm-hmm. 1? <laughs> Without any criteria? Just like, you're not even placing it like in a location or in a hierarchy or best <laughs> of, worst of. I like questions I like that because it, it makes people... Uh, it's going to be hard to play that one, huh? Um, <laughs> I like an open-ended question like that. Because then the person realizes, oh, you're judging me based off of what I say for right. like how I'm approaching the question. That doesn't really have parameters. Right. So just kind of get to feel how your brain works a little bit. It's like if uh, a therapist asks you, do you think you're a good person? It's like, yes, ah. and then you leave. <laughs> <laughs> I'm yeah. doing great. Thank you. I also don't think that that's probably a question that they would ask because for the most part... Well, 
that's the difference in psychology is like versus a Turing test. Yeah. Yeah. It's like the first 90% of education is just not interacting with the person's mind, but instead just asking open questions to get information out of them. And then the last like 10% of actually being a specialist capable of doing this is the advice part because they're you very much do not want to give people bad advice when it comes to scenarios like that. Um, because that's on you <laughs> but uh, I would say PlayStation for me I would give it like I'd give it a solid like 8.5 yeah mm-hmm. I'd I have to give it lower just because of if you said like what would you rate your computer what would you rate PS2 and like other consoles I'd be like, oh, I've definitely spent more time on those. I'm more familiar with those games. So by default, PlayStation 1 would have to be lower. Gotcha. Okay, but, so you're thinking more absolute ranking. No, no, no. I was just basing my statement off of your statement. Ah, okay. So the rationale I had for the 8.5 was kind of like, what is the the legacy of it? Um. And honestly, maybe for Legacy, it should really be like a 9, right? PlayStation 2 doesn't exist. PlayStation 3 doesn't exist. The rest of them, I can't remember the names for the rest of the ordering. PlayStation makes it so difficult to keep up with. Um, those consoles don't yeah, exist. <laughs> <laughs> or they wouldn't exist without PlayStation 1. Yeah, it was... My my initial memories were we had a... I say we, like I hung out with my parents. I considered them, you know, a part of my group. Uh-huh. Um I had a neighbor. I lived separately from my parents who lived uh, a couple <laughs> yeah. of houses down. And uh, like I was friends with um, the one girl, Amanda, mm-hmm. and her. she had an older brother, Jeremiah, and he had the PlayStation. And it was in their basement. It's like, it's not like we'd go and hang out. I was like, yo, was, I mean, if we want to hang out in the basement, that's cool too. Like once you uh-huh. have a friend who has a cool thing, you're like, I mean, maybe we could do the cool thing. I'm not opposed to it. Uh-huh. I'd, I'd mix it up from Bop It for sure. I um, love that dynamic too, where like there's something that your friend has that's super novel to you, mm-hmm. such as a, a, a game console. And then they exist with it enough that maybe, unless they're like us, the novelty starts to wear off. Um, and they're like, I kind of want to go outside. We could go to the park. We could do whatever. And there's like this list of suggestions, and you're just waiting to, for them to get to the end for their lowest priority offerings, which yeah. are play playstation in the basement <laughs> and you're like that one <laughs> that's the one i want i have been keeping up with the weather channel it says it's gonna be rainy today that's mm, i don't know yeah <laughs> I'm, not, I'm not feeling getting pneumonia uh-huh but of course with ps1 it was like the oh tony hawk pro skater mm-hmm. so like you'd have like the neversoft logo come up the eyeball you'd have the disc go in you'd have your two dual analog rumble controllers sitting on beanbag chairs mm-hmm uh, what else can I throw in here for nostalgia? Mm-hmm. You were listening, listening to the to... Shrek soundtrack. Um, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but that was probably my first instance of ever hearing Ska, was just a lot of Tony Hawk. Oh my gosh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. No, it was, it was good stuff. Um, I will admit up front that I'm basically... I'm basically role-playing someone who had more experience with a PlayStation for the purpose of this episode. I'm just going to make a bunch of stuff up 
not actually. I did play at a friend's house, but that was my experience. I didn't have a PlayStation. Um, when we finally got a console, it was in 64 so that I had more experience for the previous episode. But PlayStation brought a lot to the table and we're going to talk about a little bit, a little bit about that. I have technical notes. I never read technical notes on the podcast. This is experimental, but I'm just going to go through them real quick. So interesting background. I didn't know this until I looked it up. Research, some people call it. I try not to do it for the podcast, but it happens accidentally sometimes. Uh, PlayStation wouldn't exist if Nintendo and Sony had actually gotten along a bit earlier and completed an add-on for the Super Nintendo Entertainment System, which was a CD-ROM drive plug-in, basically. Mm -hmm. That failed, and Sony was like, we still think we have a good idea. Let's make a game station competitor, basically. Um, And that turned into the PlayStation, which blows my mind, right? Yeah, it is a little odd. I guess like today, if you're like, hey... um, big pc company we're gonna offer you this uh cubic drive you just kind of pop the cube in and then all data is read from the cube it's, mm-hmm. it's a little bit different from what we've been doing but it's just like a, a new thing they're like eh, it's not really working out and they're like we're gonna make our own thing that only runs off of cubes yes yeah there was a lot of um concern actually like for cd roms back then because uh, they were very easy to copy. I don't know if you were around in the 90s <laughs> in the early 2000s. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but, but I don't know I don't know how you thought we were listening to that Shrek soundtrack, but it wasn't right. true. Legitimate uh lines, through legal gay entertainment media or whatever. <laughs> I can't remember who published um I know Dreamworks. It's Dreamworks. Uh made Shrek, but um but yeah, there was a there was a big deal. They were like, we're not sure how we can actually use CDs because it was better data wise than a cartridge. You can fit more on a CD than um, than a cartridge. But there was a big question of copy protection. They were like, someone's literally going to take the first copy of this game that we send to the United States, and then they're just going to make a hundred thousand of them, and we will sell nothing. <laughs> right? We will sell one copy to the United States before it's gone. Before it's done. <laughs> yeah. Um, so apparently what Sony did is they actually introduced like a reader device. And I'm, I'm not going to get all of the technical details in here, but for their CDs, when it started, um, when they created a PlayStation game, the first sectors of the device had some encoded bits um, that are necessary for it to be detected is like a valid PlayStation game. But the way that they wrote their cds was they introduced it kind of like a low frequency or something like that is basically a wobble in the disc so what happens is if you were to burn a playstation cd with like a traditional cd burner it would actually not include those little wobble bits because your burner is just going to interpret this as like the cd just wobbled a little bit and so it thinks that it's not necessary or like something that shouldn't be included in the data and so it was missing from all of the burned copies of the disc. And that was their copy protection, like ingenious. But basically, if you burned a PlayStation disc, it would be missing that key data. So they actually really smart. Yeah. 
the way you had to get around it was the way you get around a lot of things, which was uh, like homebrew or jailbreak or whatever the term would be, bootleg your system so that it the the CD reader was not that PlayStation official one that was looking for those encrypted, that encrypted sector of the disk. And then it could run like burned disks, no problem. But that's more effort than your average consumer was going to put into it. <clears throat> so that's pretty cool. Came out in 1995. So I was the uh, old age of four when this when this happened. Um, it ha- <laughs> Dave, Dave, Dave uh, thumbed himself right there. So I think he was also four. Um, don't, had... don't say thumbed myself. That, that <laughs> thumbed, no. For an audio listener, that sounds wrong. <laughs> I pointed to myself with my thumb going, yes. hey, me too. Right. Um, it had excellent hardware by today's standards at two megabytes of RAM, <laughs> one megabyte of video RAM, and 16-bit sound. Um, which is really funny, you know, going back to, I was just talking about how I have a virtual machine in some other location that I have access to. And it's like 16 bucks a month with 16 gigs of Ram. And that's a lot more than two megs. Uh, So how far we've come Two controllers. So a bit fewer than Nintendo. It's worth, it's worth noting here. PlayStation was just like, how many friends do you really have? (laughs) Nintendo's like, oh. yeah, get four, no problem. What's the first time that Nintendo had four? The 64? Yeah. I'm pretty sure. I'm pretty sure SNES was still two. Yeah, I believe so. Um, and then we talked about the CDs already, but they beat Dreamcast to the CD market by three years. And you can see the effect of that. Nobody talks about Dreamcast anymore. Nobody talks about Sega. Real yeah. talk. Sega is a publisher now. They're not like uh, they don't make hardware, but like they they. I mean, obviously the Sonic games, but some other games they'll publish for Nintendo and maybe Windows. I'm not sure, but um, and then it was around for uh, ripe old age of five years before being superseded by the PS2. A couple more games continued to come out. I think one of them was actually. Final Fantasy IX came out after the PS2 launched. Um, but yeah, I mean, good luck trying to sell PS1 games after the PS2 came out. If people yeah. had it, right? I think the PS2 is better in literally every way. Yeah. I mean, it still had the same amount of controllers. Um, but they did have an external piece you could get to add additional controller slots, which yeah. I thought was comedically funny i've only ever used it once Mm -hmm. there wasn't that many games that supported it right like when the base console is like you have two controller slots why are you going to make a game that supports 16 players (laughs) like didn't didn't make a lot of sense no Um, to the controllers though Mm -hmm. correct me if i'm wrong in saying this but i believe that they actually kind of pioneered everything for the controllers going forward yeah because Nintendo 64 was doing some wackadoodle shit nobody mm. understood. But PlayStation's like, hey, here's this setup. You got your D-pad on the left. You got mm. your four buttons on the right, which is something that Nintendo had done with uh, Super Nintendo. Right. But then they added the the analog as well. Yeah. So weirdly, like I have a pro controller here. Now, technically, the analogs are a little bit 
split. Um, this follows more of like an Xbox model where my left analog is a little bit higher up mm-hmm. than my right analog. Um, but PlayStation has always had the model of your analogs are lower uh, by where your, your, your thumbs would be if you just kind of grip something yeah. by the hands. And it's always had uh, those two there, which is crazy for a while because I would never considered PlayStation to ever be the pioneer for first-person shooters mm-hmm. by any means because there wasn't like a whole lot of titles on PlayStation. <laughs> Whereas in things like Xbox, Halo was like gigantic yeah. and it always had like the uh, slightly skewed analog. But PlayStation was the first to have those analog sticks, which is God tier. Because having oh, yeah. more more points of directional input versus just here's your D-pad for directions up, left. I was about to say down and right. Um, <laughs> forward, left, right, and back. Yeah. Yeah. And it's worth noting, like, when PlayStation first came out, I like the comparison to the SNES controller because it was a lot closer to that. They didn't have the analogs on launch it was a controller that came out three years later um and the original controller looked a lot more like a snes controller but it had mm-hmm. that more like kind of ergonomic i would say controller feel where instead well, it actually of actually had like, handles kind of that came out of it exactly whereas right. nintendo stuff was always i mean for nintendo and super nintendo just fucking flat yeah yeah in 64 probably I, I i'm discounting other publishers that you could fact correct us in the comments if you want but like for the the big the big uh, video game uh, consoles, N sixty four introduced the idea of kind of holding the controller as something la- rather than like a flat piece of garbage. I'm I'm sure Sega Genesis or whatever did some similar stuff, but like, um, <laughs> I say flat piece of garbage, but that's how I imagine those old Nintendo controllers, right? That SNES controller where it's like it's flat. It's li- like how do you hold this in your hand? You like you cup it, like you put your hands out, like you're, you're gonna just hold something placed in them. No, grip it. And uh, PlayStation embraced that. Grip the controller. Uh, they got so close with that first controller type, even without the analog sticks um, and just the D-pad and the buttons. Also, the buttons stayed the same across all of this, which is, you know, excellent. Um, but uh, once the once the sticks came out, it was big. That was actually, there was a middle one too. Between the dual, the dual analog controllers you, you, you know and love, there was apparently like a flight stick variant with like yes. large grips and that was a little bit a little bit less popular than a very the, the very niche one. yeah um but uh i didn't get the impression that they really had a tremendous amount of maybe faith is the wrong word maybe it was a compatibility concern or something going back then but there was a button on the dual analog controllers that just disabled the analog sticks they're just like, okay, well, if you're not used to it, you're not comfortable, maybe you bump them on accident while you're playing a game. You want to just go back to just using the D-pad. Just hit the button, turn it off. You don't have to use the feature that you're paying more money for. It'll be fine. Should we have these modular where they can just remove them? No, we'll just have an on and off switch for it. If people uh, don't like it, don't have to use it. Man, that would be awesome. It's kind of a pain to remove controller sticks. By design, right? You want people to just buy a new controller, but I will say that with a PlayStation, obviously more so with PS2 as a, and PlayStation as a console series as progressed, I always associate PlayStation with fighting games because mm-hmm. a lot of them were just released on there. 
part of my thought was it's probably oh it's easier to do certain inputs with an with an analog stick where you can roll some of the inputs mm-hmm. if we're talking like street fighter uh street fighter turbo 3 uh, you could literally just do down and roll forward and there's your down down forward and right and sorry forward input right. so that yeah. then you can do your hadouken and, and whatever mm-hmm. i'm sure a lot of professional people don't use analog sticks they like to do very sp- explicit inputs mm-hmm. um but anytime that i would do fighting games primarily uh soul caliber it felt very fluid to use those instead yeah i think i think that there's there's definitely different camps there and there's a lot of videos on youtube i remember when i was looking at guilty gear people were talking like do i need to buy a game pad like a fighting game pad like to play this game and they're like ah probably not but if you do expect it's going to take a long time to get used to it but like those game pads had the one sort of arcade cabinet joystick with fixed directions and those fixed directions are probably the best way to do it right like a modern joystick or a modern analog joystick has um a lot more movement maybe not fully 360 degrees but close to it instead of like just notches um but the notches are definitely better than a d-pad because you can transition through them faster um particularly for moves like roll forward or something like that um but yeah i mean analogs better for everything else you mentioned shooters like the we we technically had thumbsticks you know while shooters were out and things like that but until you had two and the idea one of them is for moving your character and the other one is for moving it's just for looking around yeah yeah like we take for granted how ingrained that is in shooters but if you go back like 20 20 years a little bit more now um i barely exist but also like the shooters control schemes were so freaking weird right it's awful like if you the pc comparison is like oh what do you do for pc shooters now wasd and your mouse literally Mm -hmm. two separate forms of input for movement and looking around yeah but if you go back to something like i like to go to descent for ms dos Mm. that was all done with uh the numpad mm-hmm. like you had like your your separate look around or if you go back to from a console standpoint like a golden eye it's all like hey you have this one thing right and uh, we'll do our best to you know automatically track onto things for you or if you need more precise input uh well, i guess we can give you like the the c stick pad you, yeah. you figure the rest of that shit out and it's just it's so mechanically awkward but at the time, you're like, that was new and the thing. And then we found a better way to do it. Yeah, it's it's, it's easy to forget that we basically had tank controls for shooters for yeah. a long time. Um, yeah, it's crazy. It, I imagine, though, like this is what I think of when I, I think of that little button on the PlayStation controller that told you whether the analog sticks were on or off. There was an LED, I think, in there. Some sort of light. So if you push the button to disable them, <clears throat> either toggle the light on or off, I don't recall. But I imagine the people who are looking at keyboards for the first time and thinking about what the control scheme should be for a shooter, and then they saw... <coughs> excuse me, geez. They saw the arrow keys, and they're like, that makes sense. 
there are arrows on those, right? Like the, people will know what this means. Um, and then someone's like, no, nah, no, nah, you should use WASD. Like they must have got the weirdest looks, right? You're like letters that you, you want to use letters from the QWERTY keyboard for this. Like that doesn't make any sense. You're insane. You're fired, <laughs> right? Also, something that's hard to wrap your mind around is if you look at the the arrow keys, they are perfectly in line with each other. Mm-hmm. So your forward or up is directly above your down or your back. Yep. Now with WA and SD, um, because keyboards are not in perfect row columns, the W is a little bit off center from the WAS, or I guess from uh-huh. the S specifically. But like for yeah, me, yeah. it's been doing it for so long where I'm like, oh, that's that's just where W is. Like you've been on a QWERTY keyboard, you're like, oh, let me just shift my hands over. It feels perfectly natural. Yeah. But yeah, I imagine first time around any of this stuff's happening, people are like, that doesn't conceptually make sense. How are people going to latch onto that? Mm-hmm. But then if you just look at like the spacing of your hands, like put right now, if you're listening, put your hands on the arrow keys and then one on your mouse. This works a lot better if you're right-handed. Um mm-hmm. Maybe if you're left-handed and you had your mouse on the left side, like a sociopath, mm. and you had your, hand, your right hand on the arrow keys, maybe that makes sense. But again, I don't know how you function as a human being. Yeah. But being able to have that space and just more of an ergonomic sense of what a gamer is going to be doing as they play the game has just improved leaps and bounds over time. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's part of that is the right-handed concern right actually the arrow keys plus the left-handed is a semi-viable rebind control scheme what you lose is you lose all of those this has nothing to do with playstation you lose all of the adjacent keys that would be nice to hit for reloading use special changeability you know cast your your spells whatever whatever the crap you have so much to work with if it's right there in the middle of the keyboard as opposed Mm -hmm. to like all the way over here on the right um but yeah we we got there eventually um and i think playstation was proven right in uh in their designs like they came really close to basically setting the standard for all future controllers if not for nintendo's nonsense <laughs> like the the gamecube controller which is also a little bit out there and then the wemo or whatever nintendo's never going to do anything reasonable up until like the pro controller for the switch true even the joy cons are nonsense <laughs> but <laughs> to briefly to gamecube's credit it again does have the split analog yes yeah the reason it's so popular is because it's the most conventional controller that <laughs> nintendo actually released up until the pro controller um it's just it's funny to think about but PlayStation nailed it, and they barely changed their design after the original PlayStation controller. All of them have that similar form factor, similar grip style. I think they went from single trigger to like double trigger at some point. They added mm-hmm. the buttons and the analogs. But otherwise, you know, that's what you're dealing with. Triangle, circle, square, X. And uh, same layout. Press X to Jason. It mm-hmm. depends on which controller you have, where the fuck that's going to be located. Right. They got to PlayStation 4 and eventually they added the speaker so like babies can cry at you from your controller to make you uncomfortable. But We already covered yeah. that game, I think. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, that was the hardware. 
um, and the the CDs did mean that you know when before we were talking about the N sixty four games for PlayStation, they got a little bit more, a little bit more out of them. You could have slightly better graphics, um, and the discs were a bit faster than cartridges. And in general, if a game came out for the N sixty four and the PlayStation, it was better on the PlayStation. Um, yeah, you just had more more space to work with yeah tony hawk was a good example of that um i think you mentioned tony hawk pro skater 2 already Um, Mm -hmm. one also came out but two was really the one that just like they hit it right like neversoft really hit it with two um and i had it for the n64 and i could feel the limitation like the draw distance was terrible i don't think the sound was as good the graphics weren't as good and it's not like the graphics were great on the PS2 because PS2, mm-hmm. PS2, I feel, was like the era of like, here are the polygons you're most familiar with. Uh-huh. You got your Hagrid from <laughs> Tony Hawk Pro Skater 3, custom skin, obviously. Uh-huh, yeah. Uh, but from the Harry Potter games. But yeah, uh, everything in Tony Hawk Pro Skater 2 felt very smooth because mm-hmm. you have people riding on skateboards, going off ramps, uh, grinding on rails, and doing a lot of these moves very quickly and just transitioning between them as you're accumulating a score so that nobody can ever beat you on this one half pipe ramp during a game of tag. Yeah. Um, if I ever beat Chad at Tony Hawk Pro Skater 2, I'd be so happy. But yeah, it all ran very, very smoothly. Mm-hmm. It was just an insane game at the time. Oh my gosh, yeah. And also like a bang in soundtrack. Again, I'm not a ska person. I very much grew up like a, a metalhead mm-hmm. um, into my later years. But holy fuck, it was a, a catchy, fun time. The whole oh, experience yeah. is very, very notable. I think like this is also part of the golden age of gaming or the start of it um, for me. For like, obviously, this is when I say for me, that I just mean my opinion. Based off my age, there was just a set of consoles I didn't really interact with. <laughs> but it started to pick up more around PlayStation and 64 times. Um, then I got a PC and I swore off consoles until like PlayStation 4. But um, like the games that started coming out for this, like talking about Tony Hawk in particular, like uh, advanced 3D, right? Like there's 3D in 64 games that receive a lot of credit for their scope and world building, things like uh, Super Mario 64, games like that. But they were not on like the graphical fidelity of PlayStation. They weren't uh, up to the same sound design um, as far as quality as like PlayStation. Um, I say that the, the tracks are great <laughs> in Super Mario and for um, Super Mario 64. But the um, Tony Hawk like experience, the idea of playing with your friends tagging all of this stuff like it you didn't have like a degraded multiplayer experience it's like this was part of the the kit was you would have a split screen you would have people engaging like at the same time in the same space with something that wasn't like a throwaway secondary mode um or it was rather great. a single screen where you were a tag along character Mm-hmm. from the main character so it didn't have to process two separate video feeds yeah back to like sega genesis and sonic and tails 
Um, the other thing I really remember and enjoyed with Tony Hawk, although I didn't have like a bunch of friends to really play it with. And again, I think it was better on PlayStation was the, um, the like skate park builder um, where you could just take geometry, slap it down. And I think this was adding in two specifically oh. and make a park to play around in, which is like, it still blows my mind that that wasn't a game for the PlayStation, right? They're like doing all these things for resource con- con- um, conservation, all of that. And they're like, yeah, let's have make it so people can build their own skate parks. Hey, did you think our level design that we spent, you know, years on was shit? Make your own then. All right. Yeah. <laughs> you go, have fun. I'm sure that's what they thought at the time. It's like, but if you wanted to be able to uh, dark slide between every single also the dark slide sound or like when you hit a um, what were the names for the um the specials i think they were special moves um in a combo it would show up as like a golden text mm-hmm. and you'd have like a special sound when you pulled it off um so great loved it i don't even like skateboarding but this was just such a great game i grinded ground <laughs> yeah grinded <laughs> I did. I did a ground. Um, mm-hmm. I went up a half pipe. I was too afraid to turn at all, so I just went back down the half pipe. Mm. I didn't get a lot of points in that game, mm. but very fun, very fun game. Yeah, it was legit. It uh, also uh, paved the road for Splatoon. Right, Splatoon wouldn't exist without uh, tag. It's the entire game. Yeah, honestly, yeah. Um, it's like Tony Hawk, but we have squids. Yes, which obviously we don't, have, we don't have skateboards anymore. <laughs> natural improvement. Um, so, what outside of Tony Hawk was like a big PS One title that sticks out for you? So, there's a lot, and we have the list. I won't pretend that the list doesn't exist. Um, if I were to pick again, some of this is from like that. Could I demo it at Walmart tier? Because mm-hmm. I didn't have a PS One. Um, I really enjoyed Spyro when it came out. Um, I I think that it's just a novel video game character. You're just like, oh, let's just let's just play as like a attitude attitudinal. That's not the word. A dragon with an attitude. Um, small, not big. You know, not like this is something that the D and D party is going to kill and feel good about. Um, but uh, it's an adventure game, right? Fly around, do stuff. Flight also awesome. You can do it in a 3D space. Maybe it's just kind of hovering or gliding for for most of it, but um, falling with style, falling with style. Yeah, to quote to quote Mister Lightyear, um, and also Woody, I guess technically the line was originally from Woody, but yeah, he. Uh, I like that. It's fun to play to Walmart. It. Yeah, yeah. Uh, PS One had a weird birth of a lot of different franchises that stuck. Spyro definitely had its saga or time in the sun. But I think it was like a direct I don't say competitor, but like it was an early platformer similar to like the rareware games yeah. of uh N64. But the fact that you had more freedom of movement with that and again, analog to control something like flight versus just having like four to eight cardinal directions uh right. was huge. I never played too much of Spyro. I remember watching people play it a lot, but I missed out on a lot of the, I don't want to say collect-a-thon adventure games, but a lot of those early games were kind of like that, where it's like, hey, here's some platforming, here's some collectibles, here's like a level we designed, and you're going through it. 
Yeah, and they they apparently I looked this up real quick because I was like, who made Spyro? It was Insomniac. So they produced Spyro. They made Ratchet and Clank. Um, they went you know beyond that. I think did they close eventually? I'm not sure. I'll have to find that eventually. But like, this is the era of you're like, hey, I know that that developer, and they made three games for this console that came out, mm-hmm. right? Like, um, a lot of the games on our list actually came in threes, which is sort of crazy when you think about it from like a console that existed for five years. It's like, this is kind of rapid development, but that happened a lot back then. They're like, we have the core of what we need. Maybe we can expand on things a little bit for the sequel, but for the most part, we're just going to do more of what we've got. Um, and Spyro was definitely that, but um, it came out on Steam eventually. I think I have it on a wish list, not like high. It's low on the wish list, but it's like, eh, maybe I'll play it someday. Jake's birthday recently happened. If anyone wants to buy him the Spyro <laughs> collection on Steam, we'll put his details below. Uh-huh. Um, pick something higher up on the list first. <laughs> we'll work our way down to, Spy- to Spyro. What about you? Do you anything anything you remember as or stand out as a solid game from the PlayStation 2 era? Or PlayStation 1, even if you wanted to talk about what we're currently talking about. I mean... The notable classic that I did not have any direct experience with, okay. but definitely pioneered a... Uh, I'm going to keep using pioneered. Mm-hmm. Pioneered a successful franchise, um, which I think is now dead permanently. Mm-hmm. But Metal Gear Solid started right. off on PlayStation 1. Yeah. And that was huge because you had a third-person adventure game with like stealth and espionage and like so many other mechanics you're like why'd you even put this in a game and they're like we thought it would be funny and you're like uh-huh. okay like smoking a cigarette to reveal lasers like having to switch out your memory card so you could beat a boss like stuff that was just again so fucking unheard of and so yeah. unorthodox um but i think really obviously helped uh metal Gear solid take off but then allowed for other games to think of like hey maybe we can do some unorthodox things too Maybe not as yeah. unorthodox as like having to switch your memory card all the time. Uh, but just allowing same. people to design outside of the box a little more. Yeah. It's actually, it's really hard to uh, like one up Kojima when it comes yes. to <laughs> thinking out of the box to, for some of these interesting mechanics. ideas. I will say that. Yes. Yeah. Not um, all of them are good, but they're interesting. <laughs> yeah. I actually saw a Nakey Jakey video on YouTube recently where he talked about game discs, demo discs, and like there was a <clears throat> uh, Metal Gear Solid 1 demo for like an opening section and those are just really cool. Like this is this is this was the era for it, right? This is where um the internet doesn't have that much video game content. Maybe you have Cheat Code Central or something like that eventually, yeah. but um you just don't have access to just grab everything that you want, digital downloads and stuff. And yeah, I mean, MGS obviously formative for Dave. Um, he's the most the MGS head uh, um, no. amongst <laughs> the people I know. Maybe um, that's true because I don't actually have that many friends that are into Metal Gear Solid, but <laughs> that puts Dave at the top. Maybe I feel like this- a couple of us have played five, and I yeah. played three, and maybe that's like my only extra extra credit there and you played revengeance so you tied with me for that um 
the core Metal Gear Solid. I played, I played some. <laughs> if you didn't beat it, then then yeah, I mean you beat three, so yeah, that put, puts you well ahead. But I climbed um, a goddamn ladder, Jake. It was a very long mm-hmm. ladder. Mm-hmm. It's great for it's great for memes and stuff like that. Still, anytime I'm climbing a ladder in the game and it's above average height. My uh-huh. brain's just oh, oh. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, MGS start of um, massive franchise. Obviously, the the shadow of which is honestly so large that Kojima had to make the ridiculous nonsense in Death Stranding to escape it. <laughs> right, like the expectations were so much like in this direction of this this entity um that that he's developed that like death stranding is absolutely off the walls and it's the only way you could keep distract people from the fact that it's not metal gear solid um nobody talks about survive screw konami no konami um, sucks a big uh big pack of testicles mm-hmm. but i mean final fantasy 7 was also on here i have heard of and that again one. i i played it on some initially on ps1 uh, at a friend's place i'm like holy fuck this something like this can exist right and so when it came out on cd-rom i was like yes mm-hmm. again it was cd to cd uh, i don't know how much they had to do to port it specifically because i'm not a game dev but that was hugely formative in my early years yeah. final fantasy 7 was the thing i still have like a very old or maybe i got rid of it it's just someone in the closet an old original like box art type thing, a uh, poster of Cloud. Mm-hmm. If you know, he actually had good resolution, so not in-game. It's like an artist rendering. Right. Um, and I got that when I was like 14. But he was like the cool character outside of like Sephiroth, who was the coolest character. Oh my gosh. He yeah. had a much longer sword. And that's how you gauge that. Yeah, we talked about it a little bit in our... Um, we had a guest episode to talk about the Final Fantasy VII Remake part one i don't know exactly how they're naming those things now but now we know it was part one um and we talked a little bit about some of the classic final fantasy and this is just it's just such a good game i, I so i played this either i think they had a pc release at some point mm-hmm. um and i definitely played that a bit and at some point i might have played an emulated version of it can't recall is my legal legal defense there i do not recall but <laughs> um i remember it was split across like multiple discs and it'd be like all right you reach this check like this main point time to insert disc two and it was kind of so it was weird to think about because like the open world still available but it was split between chapters and things that like hey, that's break why we didn't even like cover that. yet yeah so i mean i know there were external packs for other consoles but the concept of a memory card, was that around before PS1? I'm not certain. I know PS1 had it, N64 had it. Um, so I guess N64 definitely would have had it first. But I think it's been around for a while. I don't know what the first hmm. would be. I'm going to try, try to find out. But we can. I can at least say definitively, uh, cartridges did not do this to where you had multiple cartridges to play a game. Whereas, like, discs were so big, they could handle so much space, so much memory, um, all of the audio and video you needed for the game. But then to also have, like, a, hey, um, we couldn't fit all of the content of our game onto this one disc. 
you know that new big thing that we said was like gigantic um it's three big gigantics um right so if you could put in the second disc and we can continue on that would be cool anyway uh, sorry to interrupt please keep playing your game thank you uh-huh like it it was bananas because i think for the cd-rom it came in like those uh jewel i want to say jewel cases like it was like the thin one mm-hmm. but like the type you crack open and like the plastic would always break after like a week it would chip on something but it had two different cd inserts for like essentially three to four discs and i think the first transition is when you met the first weapon yeah i think it was like m or uh, leaving weapon. i think yeah um that sounds about right near golden saucer or something like that um so i looked it up real quick cora says uh neo geo was potentially the first console but we played that so if we discount that one it actually was ps1 um, there you go because it Anytime came out I say, before i'm dabbing just uh, yes. for the audience there's an implied dab um then it came out a year before the n64 so Anything that PlayStation had in its opening offering would have been before Nintendo uh, released their stuff. In the U.S. at least. It was still a year ahead in general other places, but in Japan, things tend to release one year before they release in the U.S. Um, but yeah, Final Fantasy is freaking big. I still remember dying in the tutorial section. I'm like, the that's dumb and then sephiroth revived me and i'm like thanks buddy i'm glad you're on my side and will be for the rest of the game hopefully someday <laughs> i can be as powerful as you and that aged incredibly well so <laughs> he seems yeah. to be getting along with all of my friends especially the females which i wasn't sure i was getting kind of misogynistic <laughs> vibes at a point because uh-huh. of yeah. weird relationships with his mom um mm-hmm. It is really just it is really just about that if you think about it. Um, but yeah, uh, obviously the other Final Fantasies as well, eight and nine. I have less to say about those, but Gunblades are cool. Um, and yeah, I mean Final Fantasy is a big deal. Uh, more, it was a big deal more in Japan back then, but like in some of these games, this is especially for Sony, right? Being a, a, a first console out here. Um, they're like, we're not really sure if we should release this in the U.S. Like, is it even worth the effort? Americans are temperamental and they have a lot of guns and stuff like that. Um, but a lot of the games on this list were the right call to release. So, yeah, obviously. I'd say Final Fantasy has been pretty well adopted over here now. Yes. Also, uh, Resident Evil. Yeah. Two. Um, I mean, Resident Evil, like I just watched a video on it yesterday because they're re-releasing four and it Mm -hmm. looks, again, not like I played the original, but just watching like the comparison, uh, fucking impressive how far it's come. But like that is a huge franchise. Like they've been doing really well with like the remakes and also just the releases of seven and eight just for like next gen Resident Evil stuff and as far as how they're approaching it. Um, It's also Silent Hill. I don't know if it's still going, Mm -hmm. but... That also had its start on PlayStation. There was, um, I was going to say on Resident Evil real quick. Nobody cares about Resident Evil 1, right? Like no. there's a house, I guess, or something. I don't know. But like nobody cares. It really took off with 2. Um, 
and then Silent Hill is obviously the same franchise, but you don't have a gun. Or if you have a gun, it's not as good. So actually, no, they are making <laughs> another one, aren't they? They had a, a trailer at a uh, Jeff Keighley's house. That sounds so absurd that ga- I believe the game it immediately. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, Silent Hill. Never played them, but I spent some time on the wiki for two, um, which is really fun because one of my favorite tidbits about Silent Hill is that two is actually the favorite of a lot of people in the series, and it wasn't even originally supposed to be a Silent Hill game. What? <laughs> its development was just co-opted and they turned it into a silent hill game but that wasn't originally what they were aiming for at all so it's a little bit more um what's the word it's a little bit more thoughtful and what's the word if it's like more in your head or more neurally stimulating um i don't know it, it it's a lot more contemplative and, and things like that i'm gonna think of the word later and it's gonna kill me but um then a lot of the other Silent Hill games where it's kind of just like action plus horror. Uh, this one was like, the monster is you. <laughs> and so, you know, it stuck with people a lot longer. So I, I just love that in this game series, the diehard fans love the game that was not originally supposed to be in the series. <laughs> um, still good, though big deal uh i have a personal one yeah but i didn't play the n64 version of again or sorry the playstation version of again but i love the wipeout series very fun high speed anti-grav racing league um and their naming convention stupid so i'm not even going to talk about that but uh like the first game had an e capitalized in wipeout and then they're like why did we do that does that mean anything? Why Why is the letter in the middle of this word capitalized? Whippy out. But whippy, whippy out actually got them in a lot of trouble, so they stopped doing that. I went to Wipeout Excel, Wipeout 3, finally. Um, but again, talking about like cool music, this was the uh, this was like the, the techno or uh, house or trance uh, music that would be playing during, while you're doing these futuristic races. And it was... Uh, it was great, and I was not hearing that anywhere else as a kid. I'll have to show you, but I've actually, on my little emulator box, I do have, I did get Wipeout. Mm-hmm. For the legal reasons. Not huge. Um, Dave can't remember if he actually has an emulator box or not, but. I, somebody gave this to me. <laughs> <laughs> I'm holding it for a I didn't know who the person was. Uh, <laughs> I accept things from strangers. I don't know why. It's just a, a weird habit I've formed over the years. Uh-huh. But you, you have a you have a copy of Wipeout or an alleged copy of Wipeout. I have something that looks like Wipeout on some. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not good at this. <laughs> which uh, which one though? Uh, I forget. I'd have to look at the naming convention for um, whatever the the specific file um, yeah. may or may not have is. Uh, <laughs> whippy out <laughs> 2097 <laughs> I thought this was for me being sick but now I realize it's for me being nervous for not wanting to uh, perjure myself mm-hmm. well you're not under oath so you can't do that at least um, cool game though uh, obviously some other ones Crash Bandicoot had a release here as well as some other consoles um, 
and uh, Parappa the Rapper. Rapper. Parappa the Rapper is, I think, the way to read this. I will say it's had a couple of games. I don't know many people who have played it, mm-hmm. but dear God, the meme legacy has lived on. Yep. <laughs> That was the only because reason I wanted to bring it I'm up. I'm looking at Jake, and I know I think we're thinking of the same video uh-huh. of uh, a certain Daffy Duck. Uh-huh. That one's good. <laughs> um, and the more appropriate one for the podcast, I'll say, uh, this is where my parents died, Parappa. Parappa. <laughs> this is the place where my parents died. Oh, oh. <laughs> yeah. The, with Batman. <laughs> incredible meme potential it's all i know about that series it's not really the type of game i would normally play but but it was very entertaining to insert that character into other stuff yeah it was one of the early versions of like hey we want to have like some type of rhythm game what can Mm -hmm. we do to make it interesting and fun and they found a way to do it and it was different from some other stuff where it's just like hey here's i guess like your beat hazard or no beat hazard is the shooting one yeah, but if anything, it's like, hey, here's your notes coming down that you have to hit, or something going across the screen where you have to hit it in sequence, like a rock um, band or Guitar Hero. Yeah, which I mean, even the I feel bad. I don't remember the name of this, but I haven't been to a round one in a very long time. There is a drum game mm-hmm. with like a cute little drum. As things come across, and you have to hit either drum or simultaneously or go fucking crazy, whatever right. it is. But Donkey Kong goes. Donkey Kong goes, yeah. Um, <laughs> having games like that were always like big at arcades. Mm-hmm. So you'd get licenses for whichever music and then just go to town on making like these beat map files. And that was like the pattern for everything. Even newer yeah. things like where you're essentially touching around the screen in a circle and dragging it in. Um, this just gave it a lot of personality, which I don't think mm-hmm. as many arcade games have. Right, and that's also shout out to Music Gun Gun if anybody has played that. I haven't, but I acknowledge the shout out. Um, That's the other thing to mention is like for this golden again, my golden age of gaming. um, This is the point where like home consoles really started to eclipse what you could do in an arcade, right? Like you're talking about Spyro, you're talking about Silent Hill, um, you know, Final Fantasy no one is going to play Final Fantasy 7 at an arcade. No one with a limited amount did, of money. It would cost them an infinite amount of quarters. <laughs> yes. Is going to do this, right? Like, you have to go hey, home. when are you done with this machine? Uh, you know where my save file is. It's going to be another 60 hours. Fuck off. Uh-huh. It's like, it's, talking about the memory card, talking about the save file, like, this is essential if you want to, you know, persist some of these games. Um... And you don't want, like, as soon as you get to uh, Emerald Weapon, you don't want someone else to come in when you have to go home at the end of the day and wipe your save file from the arcade. So, like, this was the divergent point. And, I mean, arcades really didn't come back from this. Um, But in the past, if you look at, like, the older game consoles, you're looking at Sonic, you're looking at, like, SNES and NES and stuff like that. A lot of those games were bite-sized enough or constrained enough that you could play them in an arcade. Wouldn't have been a problem. Cyborg Justice, I like to mention it all the time because no one knows what it is for the Sega Genesis. Great arcade game. But we're going beyond that. And uh, PlayStation 1 and uh, N64 kind of helped push that along. 
Um, so big deal. Thank you, Sony and Nintendo. We appreciate your efforts. Uh huh. Please stop closing down Smash tournaments. <laughs> Please improve your netcode. Thank you. Uh huh. Please Would make nice. a, dark, a PS4 version of Demon Souls. Thank you. Uh huh. That would that's not gonna happen. <laughs> I th- so tangentially related to the legacy of the PlayStation One. Um, I was reading an article where people were talking about uh, Sony's plans for release of the PlayStation Six, and you know when they anticipated doing that. And I think it was something like five years from now. Can't recall exactly. Look it up. But it came out from court documents that they had to provide because they were challenging the merger of Activision Blizzard and Microsoft. Mm. Um, and it, the basically the court was like, are they going to continue to compete with you based off of your offering? Something like that. Some sort of question like that. And so Sony had to release a document that's like, we plan on supporting or we plan on releasing games for the PS5 until this year. <laughs> Which is just like... It's crazy that that's how the in- information comes out because it's the least hype thing you could possibly do. Um, uh, but it was just very funny. Um, 2028. Yeah. Is when uh, they're aiming for releasing the PS6. So oh. if you haven't picked up a PS5, you know, just wait another five years. It's not a big deal. Um. Maybe when the PS5 goes on sale, they're like, hey, here's like a refurbished one or like a, here's one that's like covered in grape juice. I don't mm-hmm. know. There's like a cheaper price point. Because initially it was, broke. hey, we don't have enough supply to go around. Yeah. Also, if you do want to buy one, it's a billion dollars. And you're like, oh, maybe not then. Yeah. And I say a billion, but realistically, it's 600 for the console. If you get a mm-hmm. game, that's going to be 62 possibly $70 now. Usually, they will give you a game with the console. That's a nice little incentive. Uh, the controllers, I believe, are always separate now. I don't think right. they come with. They might. Uh, but typically, you're going to have more than one. Mm-hmm. So, it's another $60 right there. Um, yeah. If you're lucky. So like, like it, good it controllers can get expensive, yeah. So, if you ask the average person, like, hey, do you have $700 you want to spend on like a new game? You're like, mm, no. <laughs> Does not uh-huh. seem like a good idea for me? that's crazy about all of that all of that is true and they still subsidize the games with the cost of the console right like the tech is just that expensive but also that good that like most modern consoles sell at a loss because they know the profit margins on the games are so high Um, which is crazy to think about but um again related to the legacy of the ps1 um if you are still waiting on the PS5, as I know myself and Dave are, um, there are reports that the PS5 Slim and the PS5 Pro, PS5 Pro, are supposed to be coming out in the next year or two. Um, some rumors there, so maybe that's the maybe that's the entry point. That's what I did for PS4, is I waited until the Pro version came out and was like, here we go, better deal. But it really depends on what games exist for it at that point. I saw Dave wave raise his hand, but then he actually just muted to cough, I think. What's the I, point of me doing it <laughs> if you're going to call it out? <laughs> well, what was funny is I've, we've never used the raise our hand function, and it says, like, uh, person 
has something to say, or in this case, about to be in gravy, has something to say. <laughs> for, for those who are unaware, I try and change my name every couple of weeks. So, like, Jake's is always Jake. And mine will depend on, like, what I'm thinking at the time. So, I forget what the initial one was. But uh, a couple of weeks ago, like, I tr- trimmed up my beard and shaved, got a haircut. It's like, oh, I'll be Davey post-shavy. Mm-hmm. And I did that for two weeks. That's pretty good. Yeah. And then I felt obviously sick this weekend, which is why we changed our recording time mm-hmm. to weirdly when I feel more shitty, which is unfortunate on my part. Um, so, it's going to be Davey about to be in the gravy, joking mm-hmm. that I'm going to die from my sickness. But mm-hmm. I, it's too many characters, so it's just about to be in gravy. I couldn't even put the E so it's just brown sauce we'd put on a turkey. <laughs> okay, that makes more sense because I only now read you know it as the, the lore. Gravy. Yeah, I only read it as the turkey gravy, and I was like, "This is definitely something the kids say." I assume, but I don't know what it means. Somebody's about to give Dave the gravy. I'm gonna assume <laughs> yeah. that's appropriate. <laughs> yeah, let me go to Urban Dictionary real quick and check. Um. But PS1, heck of a console, deserved its own episode. And even though, again, I never had one, I'm glad we had the time to talk about it um, because we need content. <laughs> I'm not that so I disagree you... <laughs> with Jake, but I will say um, there are a lot of other good titles on the PS1. I'd say more so on the PS2 because like PS2 took off. It has so many fucking titles. Oh my gosh. Um, but there are a lot of old good fighters on there. Uh, if you look at some like the 2D Gundam games, I was a fan of those. I forget if that was specifically PS1 or if that just came out on PS2. But mm. even if you're not going to go back and play them, it's fun to look at some of the lore around some of these things. Like a classic one is always going to be for Silent Hill and why they had the fog or right. other things like that. It's just it's fun to see how far gaming has progressed from a technology standpoint. Mm. At least if you're nerdy enough in that way like we are um but yeah you probably are you made made it this far in the episode you probably are (laughs) i dub the nerd (laughs) excellent um well as a newly knighted nerd if you have any suggestions for future content maybe a console we haven't covered yet that you would like us to talk about that actually had games we can talk about because a lot of them kind of just trash (laughs) <laughs> outside of outside of the big ones um, feel free to send those ideas in to soapstonepodcast at gmail.com or if you're the kind of nerd that's still on Facebook you can always check out our page there at facebook.com slash soapstonepodcast comment section is both hip and happening again according to what the kids say and as always we'll see you in the next one have a good night